I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burdens all away. Now I'm singing as the days go by. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, hi. Howdy. How y'all doing today? Maybe it'd be good for me to introduce myself. My name is Abel, and I'm the manager over at the More Than Able Ranch. Our brand over at the More Than Able, I understand that y'all have a, a song that sometimes you sing about YMCA. Well, we are the Greater Than Able Ranch. You know why? Because God has blessed my heart more than I deserve. I bet you're kind of wondering why I'm so happy today. Well, my heart is full because I've been observing all the great cattle here in your parts of the world. I've been in search of the best that I can find. And believe me, you've got some of the best cattle I've ever seen. Rusty and I, we rode down south of Bazaar. And we saw these black Angus. Ooh, they was pretty down there on Sharps Creek Road. As a matter of fact, Mrs. Abel thinks she was able to identify the first calf of the year. Ooh, she thought them little blackens is, is precious. And, and, and then I rode over west, over, over towards that Wildcat Ranch. And then I come up north, over here by the Peterson Ranch, saw some of the beautiful commercial cattle on their fields. Then I headed up north a little bit further, there along the, the Fox Creek. And I don't know if it's the low pastures or what, but them is some of the greenest pastures I've ever seen right there along Fox Creek. And then I went up to Diamond Creek. I think you call it the creek around here. I rode up to Diamond Creek up there almost towards the end, and I saw the feedlots over at the Crawford Cattle Company. Ooh, they got some fat ones up there. <laughs> I was looking all over for the, the purtiest cattle I could find. And I finally found them. Here, 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 let me. You want to know why I, you want to know why I was looking for pretty cattle? Here, Rusty. Whoa, whoa. All right, you stay right there. Don't go too far now. See, I was looking for cattle because... I bought the best that I could find from these here Flint Hills ranchers. And then I took them over there to Allen Processing, and they, they got rid of all the parts that I don't need. So, here, Rusty, let, let's ride over to Allen. Let's see if we can find something. Yeah! Woo! Yeah! Woo! Come on. Whoa, whoa, Rusty. All right. Let's come back in here. Whoa, I found some of that good Flint Hills beef. Let's see. So we're going to offer this up here to the Lord. We got some tri-tip steak. And what else we got over here? Some boneless beef chuck. Boy, that makes a good Yankee pot roast. And then... Uh, Ooh, wait, can't wait to put that on the grill. Some sirloin steak. Oh, Lord Jesus, I hope you are pleased with this offering. But, but then, I don't want to be selfish. 
Maybe you have something you'd like to offer to the Lord as well. If you have a stuffy that you'd like to give to the Lord because God is so important to you, you bring your stuffy on up here and you put it right here on the grill and, and we'll offer them all to the Lord. Go ahead. You, you can bring up the, even that great big stuffy. You bring him up here. And I tell you what, we're going to give our stuffies to the Lord and if he don't take them up into heaven, you can take them home with you at the end of the service. But go ahead, put them stuffies here. We're making offering to the Lord because he deserves our best, doesn't he? There we go. Boy, we, we got some turtles and some bears and some iguanas. We, we, we got all sorts of stuffies here. It's a magic what? A magic missy. Well, I bet the Lord would be pleased with it too. It's the it's it, the Lord would like it. Ooh, and a monkey too. We got a monkey. We're gonna give to Jesus. Looky there. Like I said, if God don't take these up into heaven, you can take them home at the end of the service. You know, kind of just like Abraham. Abraham gave the best he had to Jesus, and, and Jesus said, Now that I know you're willing to give it, you can go ahead and take him back home. <gasps> oh, it looks like we got a koala there, too, or, or, or a polar. I don't know, it's something white. Something white and fuzzy. You want to give it up here to Jesus? Look at them, them cousins and brothers and sisters taking it right out of your hand and giving it to Jesus. <laughs> Look at there. You know, I'm looking at all these stuffies that you guys love so much. That good beef. It reminds me of a song that I don't think it's in them things that you call songbooks. But if we could get Miss Jean to play it for us, I bet you could learn it. It's easy enough. It's a song that says, Give of your best to the master. You know that one, Miss Jean? All right, you play it and we'll sing it with you. Give of your best to the master. Give him the strength of your youth. Throw all your soul's glowing ardor into the battle. Jesus has set the example, thoughtless was he young and brave. Give him your loyal devotion, give him the best that you have. Give of your best to the master, give him the first of your gifts. Clad in salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth. Give of your best to the master, give him first place in your heart. Give him first place in your service, consecrate now every part. Give and to you shall be given, such is the promise he gave. Gratefully seeking to serve him, give him the best that you have. 
give of your best to the master what else is worthy is love he gave himself for your pardon gave up his glory down his life without murmur, you from sin's ruin to save. Give him your heart's adoration, give him the best that you have. Give of your best to the master, give of the strength of your It's so hot, I gotta wear the sun just to keep the sun off my neck. Whew. So hot, so sweaty. Oh, boy. Boy, I, I, but, but do you know what I hate worse than all this hot? You know what I hate worse than all this heat and the steam? I have come to despise. I mean, despise the weeds. I hoe them, and I spray them, and I pull them, but they keep coming back. And those weeds come in, and they steal all of the moisture from my ground. They choke out all my plants. Oh, I hate the heat and being sweaty. I hate the weeds. I sure wish Dad had not eaten off of that pomegranate that Mom gave him. And if it isn't bad enough that i got to deal with all this misery, now I hear my little brother Abel went up and offered a fancy offering to God. So, well, I guess I ought to offer God something as well. But I don't have any livestock. Well, I do have Owen the ox. But since I can't get Mrs. Kane to help me pull the plow, I better make sure nothing happens to old Owen. Let's see. Well, here, let, let, let me set this over here and see if I might be able to find a little something left over from last year's harvest. Well, let me see. It looks like Mrs. Kane put up some green beans. You like green beans? <laughs> That's why we still have a can of them. Let's see. Let's make us a nice little vegetable platter here. You know, if Fable's going to do that, I got to do something. Let's see. What else we got left over here? Um, chopped kale. Yeah, that's not going to get eaten. Might as well give that to the Lord. And sweet peas. Well, if... If we had enough cream sauce, maybe, but we'll give that to the Lord as well, you know. Um, after all, ranch dressing and cheese sauce haven't been invented yet, so might as well give the green things to, 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 to the Lord. I, I wondered, is there any of you out there that you have some veggies or some fruits that you want to offer to the Lord? Any of you bring some veggies for the Lord? 
Well, looks like someone's bringing a little something. All right, come on, go ahead and bring up your fruits and your veggies. Bring, bring them up here, add them to the salad plate, and, and we'll give those to the Lord as well. Looks like a little corn. All right, we'll give some corn to the Lord, and we'll give some pepper to the Lord, and you got bananas and berries. All right. What else we got for the Lord over there? A fried egg. Well, that's not from the ground, but it's close enough. Let's go ahead and give these groceries. Looks like a little asparagus right there. Is that for the Lord? All right, we'll, we'll give these veggies all up. You know, I've been told that Elder Crawford is going to come be coming by here pretty soon, and he's going to dedicate all of these offerings to God. Meanwhile, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Weeds and hate, excessive misery. If it weren't for weeds, I'd have no crop at all. Yeah, our scripture for this morning is 2 Corinthians 8, 3 to 5. For they gave according to their means, as they can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but as they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then the will, by the will of God to us. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the providing for us. And you have truly blessed us, Lord. And we pray that you give a cheer, we can give with a cheerful heart. And we ask you to bless our giving to take care of your church and you to reach the unsaved. And thank you, Lord, for just being our God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Genesis 4 Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord, and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. We've been studying the last two weeks and seeing that mankind made a sharp, sharp detour from God's good design. And this week we see that that detour continues into the next generation as Adam and Eve's sons demonstrate contrary behaviors and attitudes. Now, some of you uh, will realize that I took a little bit of liberty in acting out these skits. Because between verses 1 and 2, at least a year passes. And between verses 2 and 3, at least 15, 20 years passes. And so something happened in that time, and I was just trying to fill in some of the gaps. But for us to let this passage say what it intends, we first need to think of it historically. You know, we're only taking a 
we're only talking about a few years after the creation act. God has not sent his prophets. God has not given his law. God has not required priests, offerings, or sacrifices. But something in the conscience of man is prompting these events of this chapter. Now, it's important for us to notice, here's a disclaimer, that Cain's punishment in verse 11 is not due to the nature of his offering. The disregarded offering surfaced an anger in Cain, and it was Cain's angry actions that earned him banishment from his property. Historically, we can figure out what Cain and Abel could have, would have, and should have done. But for us in this room... To make sense of this account for our obedience, we can't only view it historically, we need to view it biblically. What else has God said about these events? And since God never contradicts himself, we must look at God's interaction with these offerings and God's interaction and his comments on other offerings so that we can accurately determine what our practice should be in giving God offerings and sacrifices. If Jesus refers to these brothers in Matthew 23 and Luke 11, maybe we ought to pay attention to them also. And when we consider the whole counsel of God, we can figure out what we could, would, and should do. We are about to drink out of a fire hose. Speaking of drink... I am about to give you so many scripture references, it would be impossible for you to grasp all of them. So by giving you detailed notes in your bulletin, you can go back throughout the week and verify that the points I am about to make come from the verses that I provide for you in those notes. And at the end of this message, I will give you two big takeaways that flow from my big idea. The big idea when you walk out these doors today ought to be God has been so good to us that he deserves our best. So let's look at these offerings given by Cain and Abel and see what makes an acceptable offering. The qualities of an acceptable offering we see in verse 4 of today's text. One offering is regarded, the other is disregarded. The first thing I see in Scripture about an offering that is acceptable to the Lord is that it is a voluntary offering. 
If you look in Genesis chapter 4, 9, 12, 22, 31, 35, Exodus chapter 3, 5, 8, 10, and 18, you will find that Cain, Abel, Job, Abraham, Jacob, the Hebrews before the Exodus, Moses, and Jethro all gave offerings to God before it was commanded in the law. There was something voluntary that that stirred up within their heart that says, God is worthy of an offering or of a sacrifice. It's not required. It's not like the bill that some of us are going to receive next Monday. It's not like our taxes that we have to pay. And all of these instances that I just told you, people voluntarily give to God because He is worthy of our best. But not only are acceptable offerings voluntary offerings, I also find that acceptable offerings are often given from the first of our produce, not from the leftovers. Deuteronomy chapter 18 says, The first fruits of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and from the first fleece of your sheep, you shall give him. We give voluntary offerings. We give the Lord first, not the leftovers. Next, we give the Lord what is best of our possessions. For I read in Psalm 66, 15, I will offer to you burnt offerings of the fattened animals. With the smoke of the sacrifice of rams, I will make an offering of bulls and goats. And that fancy word up there, selah, it's usually not read out loud. It just means stop and think about that for a moment. I will offer you burnt offerings of the fattened animals. Sometimes we give the Lord from the first. Sometimes we give to him from the best. Another characteristic of acceptable offerings is that they are proportional. God doesn't ask you to give from what you don't have. And God may have blessed others in such a way that they give to him a certain set of gifts. But God has blessed you in a different way. And so you give proportionately according to what he has given to us, from what he has given to you. For we read in 1 Corinthians 16, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. You don't need anybody to give you a guilt trip to try and get you to give that last penny. What the scripture says is you think about it in advance and set aside what you think the Lord deserves from your resources. Set it aside and then give it to him. We give voluntary, we give first, we give best, we give proportional. But there's also another interesting scripture that I see in 1 Chronicles. And that is that we would give to the Lord an acceptable offering is a costly offering. It's an offering that costs us something. In this story, we're, we're told about King David is out wandering in the pastures and he comes across a herd. And he asks the owner of the herd, can I buy some of your cattle, some of your flocks to make an offering to God? And the shepherd says, if you're giving it to God, you take whatever you want. I'll give it to you if you're giving it to God. 
But 1 Chronicles 21, David then says to Ornan, Nope, I will buy them from you for full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor will I offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. See, qualities of acceptable offerings is they're voluntary, they're first, they're best, they're proportional, and they're costly. But it also, there are attitudes that accompany. For we saw the difference of the attitude of Abel, who gave of his best with great joy, and Cain, who says, well, I've got to do something. And I wonder, what are the attitudes that accompany acceptability? Psalm 66, verse 18, kind of frames up an acceptable attitude. The first attitude I see is an attitude of gratitude, that we must be grateful. For Hebrews chapter 12, 28 says, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, gratefully, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. If we're grateful for what we receive, we're grateful when we give back. An attitude that contributes to an acceptable offering is a grateful attitude. But also I see there's a second G, and that is a generous attitude. In Exodus chapter 35, we read, Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, bronze. You know, every single one of us wants to pay the lowest amount of taxes that we honestly owe. But instead of looking for the lowest amount, here in the scriptures it says we ought to be generous to the Lord. And if you, we have a generous heart, that's the one that we want to take our offering to the Lord. Grateful, generous. In the New Testament, we also see another G. That we ought to offer with a genuine heart. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is encouraging certain attitudes amongst Timothy. And so he says, the aim of our charge for you, Timothy, is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. What Paul says to Timothy is, I want you to give because your heart genuinely is thankful to God for what he's done for you. Not some sort of pretense, not that we're putting on a show for anybody else, but if you truly believe God has been good to you, then it would be natural for us to, from a sincere and a pure heart and a good conscience, to give back to him. We also look back in the Old Testament and we see that an attitude that accompanies acceptability is an attitude of contrition. That we would have a broken and a contrite heart. It's not, oh, Lord, I've been so good. I I raised the best crop possible because of my hard work, because of my breeding, because of my weeding, and because I've been so great to raise this crop, I guess I'll give to the Lord a little some of it. 
But Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. When we give to God out of our brokenness, He is pleased. And He accepts those offerings. Now, brokenness is not a very positive feeling for us. So let me turn it around a little bit. The last C of an acceptable attitude. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 tells us that we ought to be cheerful when we give. I, I remember hearing um, Chuck Swindoll preach on 2 Corinthians. And he says, the Lord loves a hilarious giver. Now, I, I've, I've seen some of you at the end of service are coming in to place your donations in the baskets, but I've yet to see anybody roll over in laughter with joy to be able to give to the Lord. Woo-hoo! He is so good to me, I can't wait to give Him my offering. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Each of you must give as you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God does love a cheerful giver. So we've seen characteristics of an acceptable offering. We've seen attitudes that lead to an acceptable offering. But I also know that there are attitudes and behaviors that ruin offerings. In the first part of verse 5 of today's text, there's something about Cain's attitude that ruined his offering. And actually, we see in verse 8 exactly what that attitude was. Cain was envious of Abel's offering. See, Cain worked the ground, Abel worked the flocks. And the Lord accepted this offering for some reason and disregarded this reason. And so what was Cain's attitude towards it? That little brother, no matter what I do, he's always the favorite. He always gets the best. God always loves what he does. But me, all of my hard work, you know, I was the firstborn, so mom and dad had to learn all their lessons on me, and I paid the price, but he gets all the glory. There was something envious about Cain's attitude. So he met Abel out in the field, and we see in verse 8, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. See, Cain's response moved him from just having a disregarded offering to being displaced. Cain's disobedience moved him from just being ignored to actually being penalized. Envy is a dangerous attitude that can ruin our offerings. Another attitude or behavior, it's actually a behavior that can ruin an otherwise perfectly good offering, is when we give it to the wrong deity. I see this in Exodus chapter 32, verse 8. In Exodus 32, 8, the scripture tells us, they have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. 
They made for themselves a golden calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. See, they were offering worship and sacrifices to the wrong deity. They were offering it to the calf rather than the God who truly brought them out of Egypt. We also see in 1 Kings chapter 18, remember the prophets in Baal? All the prophets of Baal offered their offering to God, to their God, to Baal, and nothing happened. And then Elisha opened up. He said, hey guys, bring some water. And they drenched water over the offering and over the altar and in the moat surrounding the altar. And then he says, Lord, if you are the true God, receive your offering. And fire came down and it was consumed. See, the prophets of Baal were offering to the wrong deity. The children of Israel in Sinai offered to the wrong deity. And some of us, maybe offering sacrifices or offerings to the wrong deity. 1 Samuel chapter 15 gives another behavior that can ruin an otherwise acceptable offering. You could bring a perfectly good check to the Lord, but if in your heart you are full of disobedience, God will not regard that offering favorably. As a matter of fact, 1 Samuel chapter 15 is a story of Saul going in and they, instead of killing everything, they kept some of the best livestock. And then Saul says, well, we've got all this livestock. We might as well give some of it to the Lord. Samuel arrives. Samuel speaks with King Saul. And Samuel asks, has the Lord... As great a delight in your burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen to God is better than the fat of the rams. He told Saul what to do. Saul disobeyed. And so even though he offered up a big offering of meat, God was not pleased. Because that meat came from disobedience. We go fast, fast forward to the New Testament. I've been reading in my devotions in the book of Acts recently. And in Acts chapter 5, we read about deceit. The story in Acts chapter 5 tells us about a man named Ananias. Ananias and Sapphira sold some property and they took some of the profits and they brought it to the temple and says, man, this is all we got from this sale. And Peter says, is it all that you got from the sale? And Ananias, yep, we sold the property. This is all that it brought for us. And when Ananias heard these words in verse 5, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all the people. See, Ananias and Sapphira didn't have to give any of it. And the fact that they gave part of it could have been a blessing. 
but instead of receiving a blessing from giving part of the sale, they had to act deceitfully and try and brag about, oh, we are so sacrificial, we give all that we have. And their deceit caused God to be displeased with the offering. But finally this morning, I want us to think about the consequences of offering to the Lord a ruined offering. The first consequence of offering to the Lord a ruined offering is that we just may be rejected. Now, many people read 1 Samuel 15, 16, and 17, and the story is David killed Goliath with a slingshot and five stones. But David and Goliath is within a bigger story. Because if you read the three chapters... Saul disobeyed God, and God says, Okay, Saul, you're no longer king. And God is the one who gave David the victory over Goliath. It had nothing to do with slingshots. It had nothing to do with a little boy and a great giant. That whole story is about, if you act disobediently like Saul did, you will be rejected. And God can give His blessing, take it from you, and give it to another. There's a second consequence of offering a ruined offering. And that is, sometimes you just may be out and out ignored by God. Zechariah chapter 11. I know a lot of you turn right to Zechariah when you're looking for inspiration. But it's a great scripture in here. It's a lesson for us. It tells us that the people refused to pay attention and they turned a stubborn shoulder. They stopped their ears that they might not hear and they made their hearts diamond hard lest they should hear the Lord. Lest they should hear the law and the words that the Lord of hosts had sent by His Spirit through the former prophets. And because they shut off their ears to not hear what God had to say, therefore great anger came from the Lord of hosts. As I called, they would not hear. So they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. One of the consequences of a ruined offering is God may not hear our prayers. We may be rejected for disobedience. We may be ignored for our ignorance, our ignoring Him. In Joshua chapter 7, in the story of Achan, in extreme circumstances, we saw it in Ananias and Sapphira, death may result from offering ruined offerings. Joshua chapter 7, I won't read all of the verses in there. It's the story of Achan who, instead of destroying, he took some for himself. He hid it in his camp. He acted as if there was nothing wrong. And then it came to light. And they burned him with fire and they stoned him with stones. 
acceptable offerings, and otherwise. But I want to conclude this morning with a little bit of hope. Some principles that may um, encourage us. The principles are mercy and protection. Last week, we noticed that as soon as God pronounced the penalty for sin, he immediately provided mercy in the form of provision and protection. As soon as he finished the curses, he covered them with skins and he protected them from eating of the other tree. This week, we find that even following a cold-blooded, anger-driven murder, God also punishes Cain. Imagine a farmer being separated from his land. But what does God do next? He promises protection if anybody attempted to inflict a penalty greater than God had imposed. God said, Cain, you killed your brother. Here's your consequence. Cain says, oh no, everybody's going to be out to get me. And God says, I'll protect you. I have given you punishment. I've driven you from your land. If anybody else lays a hand on you, they'll have to deal with me. So even in disobedience, we see God's mercy, his protection, and the boundaries that he puts on discipline. The first thing I want you to leave with is sin is serious, but it's never beyond God's mercy. I hope you know me well enough after living among you for nearly 40 years that I am not bringing a sermon about giving in some attempt to manipulate or guilt you to give to the Lord's work. I'm preaching this theme first because it's the next text in our series and the nature of these two offerings cannot be ignored. If we want to know the whole counsel of God, we've got to read all the words of God. So we can't ignore this topic. But not only is it the next verse in order, secondly... I want you to know that the Lord's church is not desperate for your money. The people of this congregation have a proven record of generosity towards the Lord. And our leadership has a history of faithful stewardship to maximize kingdom spread. I join the Apostle Paul in saying to you, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. When you can give to the Lord offerings cheerfully and generously without disobedience and without deceit, it's to your benefit that you will receive the blessings of God himself. Some have tried to swindle God, to ignore the matters of the heart, and it's always ended poorly. Many have tested the Lord's promises. They've honored Him with their resources. They've tasted His goodness. And so it rests on you. Which do you want to be? Someone who gives unacceptable offerings with wrong attitudes? Or someone who realizes how good God has been to us 
who can't wait to give him the first and the best. Our final song this morning is going to be a reprise of that one that Farmer Abel taught us. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing as we sing verse 3 of the song, Give of Your Best to the Master. 